It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search it out is the glory of kings. This is the Message to Kings podcast. Episode 249, Judas Maccabee to Julius Caesar. Experience is the teacher of all things, Julius Caesar. After Judas Maccabee dies, his brothers take on the kingdom and eventually turns into what becomes known as the Hasmonean kingdom. The Judean resistance is so fierce that Seleucids find it better to allow them to have a semi-autonomous kingdom with its own independence and culture, paying them tribute money here and there. And at times, the Seleucids would invade and request tribute money. Other times, they would demand it and get it. And and then other times, they would just ignore Judah completely because of internal strife. In the worst of times, they would come with a huge army and besiege Jerusalem, intent on total overlord status. But this never works out in the end for them. In the end, the Hasmoneans hold their own for nearly a hundred years until greater powers intervene. There's close to ten Hasmonean kings, and the first is Judas Maccabee, followed by Simon Thassi, his brother, who takes over when Judah is killed. He rules in the rife conflict in this age with the Seleucids. He gets assassinated after ruling six years with his eldest two sons, and his third son, John Hyrakes, becomes king. And he starts as king, quite poor, and when the Seleucids besiege Jerusalem, he's forced, according to Josephus, to loot the tomb of David for 3,000 talents to pay them off. His countrymen are furious with his behavior, but when he starts to use what's left of this looting of David's tomb to hire a mercenary army, and he starts to expand territory, his reputation changes for the better at this stage. And the Seleucids' fortunes change for the opposite, and they have internal strife again, and at this time they have another country or kingdom interfering to the north of them. Well, John goes on the offensive, taking land all the way to the Mediterranean, and in the end he's admired for solidifying the Hasmonean kingdom, and he reigns for nearly 30 years. A fairly stable kingdom, even compared to Rome at this time. Another thing is, if you look up an encyclopedia entry, it'll say that the governmental style of Israel during this time was the Sanhedrin system. And this is what the JewishEncyclopedia.com tells you about the Sanhedrin system. It's a Hebrew-Aramaic term originally designated only the assembly at Jerusalem that constituted the highest political magistracy of the country. Josephus uses the first time in connection with the decree of the Roman governor of Syria, Gabinus, who established the constitution and then existing form of government of Palestine and divided the country into five provinces. At the head of each was a Sanhedrin. Jerusalem was one seat of these five. This Sanhedrin system becomes the religious, political, legal system that ran the country under its political rulers. More to follow as the system matures and the parties later that run it, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. In the meantime, Rome is growing in power, but something happens that reveals the fragile nature of the military republic. It conducts some additional wars in Africa, 
and all the states east of Carthage are now under its control up to Egypt. Obvious expansion remains into Greece and the eastern Mediterranean. Real threats are coming to the empire from Gallic tribes and Germanic tribes migrating south, and a new threat that is taking away the power of the Seleucids and challenging Rome and Greece. A new kingdom on the rise, and it starts to tear at the Seleucid power base. It's the kingdom of Pontus. In battle after battle, the Seleucid state dwindles and diminishes out of existence. The last of the descendants of Antiochus Epiphanes will eventually die, and the Seleucids will be no more. And that model of the Antichrist is dead, and those after him as well. At this stage, the kingdom of Pontus is ruled by a king named Mithridates, and he seizes control of all of modern Turkey, and he's exerting great influence on Greece. And this challenge is so great that it'll take more wars than what was fought with Carthage for Rome to subdue Mithridates and his empire. In the midst of all this, a Gallic and German invaders come into the Italian peninsula, causing great fear in Rome. The most famous of the generals of the age, his name was Marius. Marius ends up holding seven consulships, more than anyone ever, and he's considered in many ways the greatest of the Romans at this time. And he, with the help of another general, Sulla, defeat the Gauls and Germanic tribes, and the threat is nullified. And Marius is very aged, and he's going a little crazy at this stage. And he's amassed a huge fortune, and he's still got a jealous streak, and he refuses to go into retirement. And after the Gallic and Germanic invasion, something happens. Mithridates invades Greece, and the Roman armies, trained in campaign in Africa and fighting the Gauls, now want to turn east. Rome wants to send a consular army, and Sola has his army. And when he's not chosen to lead the assault on Mithridates, he turns his army against the law and marches on Rome with his army. He desires to be Rome's next premier general, and he's going to force this assignment for himself. Marius, who only has gladiators at his disposal at this moment, flees the city. Sola takes his loyal politicians, puts them in power, and votes he leads the assault. Then he turns his army and goes on the offensive with consular authority to fight Mithridates. And he leads with great success and wins a war against him. In the meantime, Marius is in Rome. He returns to Rome, cleans up the mess. He even kills some of Sulla's supporters. But after the war with Mithridates, Sulla returns with a huge army. So at this stage, Sulla returns from his campaigns. Marius is over Rome, and two Roman armies collide. Over 50,000 die in the battle, and Sulla wins the battle. He marches on Rome, and now that he's in Rome, he votes himself in as dictator for life. And if Marius's injustice of murdering, murdering Sulla's supporters went too far, see what Plutarch says about what Sulla does now. In effect, he creates a reign of terror in Rome. And this is Plutarch's, I quote, Sola immediately prescribed 80 persons without communicating with any magistrate. As this caused a general murmur, he let one day pass and then prescribed 220 more. And again on the third day as many. 
and in a harangue to the people, he said with reference to these measures that he had prescribed all he could think of. And as to those who now escaped his memory, he would prescribe them at some future time. Ends up, Sulla was a raging drunk. And it's sad to consider the names that he wrote down in his drunken blackouts or rages. These are the names that they said he prescribed to be killed. And, and strange enough, Sulla did something uh, very strangely Roman when it's all said and done. But he would write these names down um, and they would be prescribed and and there was all types of chaos in the capital in Rome and people were, everyone on the list was killed and they were killed in awful places, even like the Senate. And Sulla effectively became dictator and he removed his competition. Some years went by, Sulla continues to reign and, and as he gets elderly, um, strange enough, he did something very strangely Roman. He moved away to the countryside. He steps down as dictator, allowing the republic to rule itself again after he died. His traditions, heritage, and character allowed for the Roman Republic to continue when he could have actually destroyed it. He steps down, and the rest of Rome must have breathed a sigh of relief, much less the, the senators that survived. And the Republic quickly finds its footing back again. And it's no wonder John Harakas is in spanning in Israel because there's no one paying attention to Israel right now and, it, and its enemies um, are focused on other things. Sola's legacy will be the blueprint he leaves to history, a blueprint to the end of the Republic of Rome. Later on, Sola would note in his memoirs that he regretted sparing a young man's life. The historian Suetonius records that when he agreed to spare Julius Caesar, Sulla warned those who were pleading his case that he would become a danger to them in the future. In this Caesar, there are many Mariuses. Ends up that um, of all the prescriptions and all the people's names that he put down um, to be killed, um, Caesar would have been on the list, but he agreed for some reason um, to not put Julius Caesar's name on the list. He regretted it later. And he would also say that in him he saw many of his enemies. The next generation of Romans growing up in this instable time period are witnesses to it all. In this next generation of Romans, there will be explosiveness of articulation of the republic energies of history. Men who debate politics in this age of reason with leading orators like Cicero and statesmen like Cato who rise and the richest man in Rome, Crassus, and military leaders like Pompey, and the one who history records the most about, Julius Caesar. They are the witnesses of Sola, and they are the next generation to come. A generation that was raised in fear of being prescribed, seeing parents and family members murdered, a time of loose morals and great fear, a prescription for messed up children. Children raised on the moral, character, and history of the Romans. A generation raised in a culture of ambition where being a powerful, intelligent, ambitious, ruthless individual has its historical rewards. A generation that has learned the most powerful position on the planet was dictator of Rome. The only way for this position to be opened up was a time of war. 
and to be in control of the armies of Rome. Whoever is ruthless enough and manipulative enough can have this position and with the spoils in the most powerful empire ever created. Pompey would later say, Sulla did it, why can't I? And Caesar later would say, I love treason, but hate a traitor. And we end with this quote from Julius Caesar as well. If you must break the law, do it to seize power. In all other cases, observe it. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Message to Kings. Feel free to visit the website, share the Facebook page, or if you want to chat, email us at messagetokings at gmail.com.